Welcome to Short Stories from a Whitewater Guide. My name is Max, and today is part four of my Grand Canyon adventure. The Grand Canyon challenges people in different ways, and for me, it was a challenge of both mental and physical realms. Some challenges are good, and some are bad, yes? Do we label them one way to only change them later as our perspective changes? I was so angry at my friend Chris. The second and third days I cursed him over and over, and by the last days I praised him, and my angst had turned to gratitude. Thanks, Chris. Again, it's all part of the story, and how the story is told in that moment. I would have not run the Grand in January of 2015 if I had not spent the time with Mark that I had the following year. I met Mark at a very challenging moment in his and his family's life. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, to be honest. I only knew that I needed to leave Colorado. Miami offered shelter, food, water, and possibilities. I knew that I had to go in order to know. Mark had two sisters, Maggie and Janet. Maggie is my adopted mom, so to speak. She has helped me throughout my career as a paddler. She is also a paddler and has always been an inspiration to me, as well as the rest of her family. Janet, though never married, was loved by many. Like her sister and brother, an inspiration in her own right. They are the kind of family that will feed you, clothe you, make sure you have a warm place to lay your head, and on top of all of that, tell you a magical story to sleep to. Mark had two children, Karen and Douglas. Mark was married to a fine woman who had the power to handle the man. As I've said before, he lived in a cheeky, which was basically a thatched room hut that was open-aired with no doors, no windows. He was a modern-day Tarzan with the background of a sailor. He was a marvelous man to have the pleasure of spending time with. We did woodworking projects together in the short time that I was with him. When I arrived, I learned of how destructive his condition was and the trials he had already suffered through. Mark was battling cancer again, and this time it was inoperable. It was simply a matter of time. Whitewater kayaking is as much a mental challenge as it is a physical challenge. To the outside observer, it seems effortless and easy. That is, until one gets in a boat and the challenge of balance, breath, and movement become apparent. It is easy to judge outside the window and not so easy to experience the actual moment. So often, we humans stand upon our righteousness and preach of how we would conquer if only things were different, if circumstances were bent more to our satisfaction. As with all talents, for most of us, it is a process of learning the motions and then doing. Watch a child learning to walk, and that is our process for just about everything that we learn. Crash around a bit, and then soon we do not even think about what is happening. Muscle memory is a term that describes the repetitive fast action movements of athletes. We train and train so that in the moment we act and all comes together in a beautiful dance. Whether it is catching a ball, throwing a ball, or taking a paddle stroke at the crest of a wave, looking out over the expanse of exploding, crashing waves and holes of white, 
and then being swallowed by the enormity of the chaos. We train. Mark trained. It was apparent from the first moment I met him. Tall and lean, he had already lost 80 pounds throughout his latest journey, and yet his power was undeniable. His jawline was prominent, as though it were made of steel, and his eyes. Those eyes could pierce the soul of a man. His eyes displayed a knowing of respect, death, and life. His smile was infectious, his impatience terrifying. His hands towered over the land. They were lumbering beasts that could close around the whole of the earth. His hands were the hands of a craftsman and a sailor. The hands of a man who built, and if needed, he would rip you apart with a mere grunt. He showed no fear, and he loved his ice cream. The week before Mark passed, I was barely able to keep up with his long legs as he trucked through the VA hospital, always on the move. He always had something to do. He was the definition of active, marked trained every day of his life by living his life. I was only with him for two months, and then he was gone. In those two months, I found a mentor who showed me that all I needed is inside of me, and that is up to me to pull it out and use it. He said, get it done. Get it done now. And do you want some ice cream? The night that Mark passed, his son and I went to smoke a couple of Mark's Cuban cigars. In the process of hunting for a lighter, I noticed Mark's little basket of items that he always carried around. One such item in the basket was a case pocket knife. I mentioned this knife to Doug, and for whatever reason, Doug could hear it in my voice that the knife meant something to me. We walked into the room where Mark lay, his body slowly cooling. Doug laid down next to his father and said that he thought I should have the knife, and he handed it to me. I touched Mark's hand, his monstrously huge hands, and I thanked him for being my friend. I carried that knife through each of the rapids on the Grand. I sought strength at the top of the rapid, and I gave thanks at the bottom. Holding the knife in my hand reminded me of the fate we all share and that time waits for no one. It is more than a knife to me now. It is a symbol for the path that our life takes, and that the unknown is to be welcomed for the gift that it often brings. Toward the end of the trip, when I sliced a summer sausage at lunch, I held the knife to the sky and I said, We did it, Mark. We did it. Needless to say that Mark was a huge reason that I decided to run the Grand in January of 2015. Maggie was also another big reason. She had run the canyon with her husband, Jim, who, while not a big fan of whitewater kayaking, is an avid saltwater fisherman and a master of the reel. They did a three-day trip, and she had marveled at the Grand. She had marveled at the beauty that the Grand Canyon was, at nature's canvas. It was her and her brother's voice that penetrated my ear, to go when the opportunity to run the Grand Canyon arose. When Mark died, I left Florida the following day. In the week leading to his death, he faded quite quickly. It was shocking how fast he went from standing to simply breathing. I was an outsider invited to witness a very sacred and special moment in a person's life. 
I had been given a gift, and I did my best to accept and be grateful for the experience. Mark became my friend and my mentor. I spent every day with him, helping him live his life and die a peaceful death. I knew the moment that I drove into Miami that I would be leaving as soon as I could. As Mark lay dying, I was thinking about leaving and making my way out of South Florida. The way of my exit left me struggling. Mark died, and the next morning I was packed and leaving. I had to leave. It was all too much. I did not understand the meaning behind going to make a new friend, only to watch him die. It all seemed so cruel and unjust. It took time for me to let go of my righteousness and my judgments and simply be with my choices and my experiences. Only then did I see what an amazing gift I truly had been given. The love that Mark's family afforded him in his last moments helped me realize what is most important in life, the people you love and the stories we get to share. Yes, the stories that we get to share. They are the bonds and the foundations that create our relationships. Stories, memories, are help, help us gain perspective and remember to be inspired. Mark loved to share a story of his life or tell of the author's written word. And if you provided an ear, he would tell a tale. Once we stood behind his homemade cabin looking through pieces of collected and saved wood. Each piece had a story connected to it, and each piece was a source of inspiration. Mark grabbed a section of wood, hoisted it up, and an hour later he finished his story of the poor captain whose boat the wood belonged to. My first few moments with him involved a tour of the property and the story about each little bit. I loved those stories. It was what made him special. His love of sharing. His knowledge. He drove from the passenger seat, and I simply followed his lead. It was easy and welcomed. I needed guidance. Mark became a father figure instantly. Mark was also suffering from a fistula that had opened to the left of his belly button. He once responded that other than crapping out of two places, he was doing just fine. Most of the lessons are small, and together they form a life-changing experience. It is often necessary to leave the space and go somewhere different in order to gain hindsight. I was amazed that I was able to put aside my discomfort of cleaning his wound in the joy of hearing a new story. His wife and the nurse bandaged him most often, though I stepped in as needed. His composure was stoic, and he dealt with ruptured bags while sleeping and handled the pain as once, sometimes twice a day, he was changed. I think about Mark and his wounds when I am creating my own suffering, and I remember that how we approach life is definition of who our character is. Mark's colonostomy bag was pink and looked like a penis, and he had fun at the bag's expense. He did his best to keep it light and share his joy of his home. Mark had character. I asked Mark before he passed what his ultimate advice was. He responded with a story, the gist of which I took to mean, get it done by 40 and everything else is gravy. 
Get it done now. There is no reason to put it off. It was this advice that pushed me past my doubts and reservations about doing the Grand Canyon trip. I headed straight as I could back to Colorado. Upon arriving in the state, I had no idea what I was doing. I had just driven across the country for the fourth time that year and still had no idea of how to get out of the rut I was riding. I found myself once again without a home, living in a tent inside another tent down by the river. I had set up camp beside the Cache La Poudre once again, and I took Kava on long walks. I contemplated life, my life, Mark's life. I slept at my work when it got really cold. I slept in hotel rooms. My car was my home, and I existed. I was afraid that I had once again made a huge mistake. My marriage had failed. My life was heading in no direction. I was a boat lost at sea. It was not difficult to get down on life and the dreams of youth. I certainly did not see myself living the life I was currently when I was a young man. To stand and face the middle age of life and to look at the accomplishments, the failures, and all the moments that lead to here. It's a hard glass to swallow when the face that stares back is one of sorrow, loss, and betrayal. I gave her that power. I let her be important to me, and I let her go. Each night at the Kashlapooter River campsite, I asked the same question to Kava. What are we doing? I kept telling myself to make a decision, either set roots or go somewhere else. Do something was what kept ringing in my head. Do something, anything, and yet I continued to only exist. I walked Kava twice a day, and that was my purpose. I had left Miami, a world so different than where I currently was, and I asked myself daily if I had made the right choice. I hope you enjoyed listening to part four of my Grand Canyon adventure. Part five will be released in the coming weeks. And as always, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please take a moment and share it with a friend or a couple of friends or a family member or anybody you think might enjoy listening to this story. Also, if you take a moment and shoot me a message, I'd love to hear what you think. Thanks again for listening to Short Stories from a Whitewater Guide.